Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Dallas DeWhite from the LA Maybe. Super excited to be on the Hook Podcast with Jay Scott. Check it out now. Once again, it is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott, taking you on the journey here for the next hour or so. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. I know everyone's getting warmer because that's what it seems to be out there. I know, I think the bad weather is past most of us. I know here in Chicago, it's going to get up to here uh, 50 degrees over the weekend, which is a welcome change to the frigid Arctic temperatures over the last three weeks. And I think everybody from California to New York is experiencing better weather. So hopefully we've moved past that. I'd like to welcome in our next guest here on the Hook Rocks, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'd like to welcome in Craig Mabbitt from the band Escape the Fate. How are you doing today, Craig? What's going on? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for doing this. I do appreciate it. Getting ready here for the weekend. Of course, Glad thank you so you much on. for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good to be on. So we always start the same way every time we have a new guest on the podcast, every time we have a first-time guest, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? 
So for me, it was my first ever live concert experience, which didn't happen until the end of my freshman year in high school. Um, and I got a chance to go with a couple friends that were all seniors, so they had cars and stuff. And uh, we got to go to the very first Project Revolution tour, which was headlined by Linkin Park. And that one had Linkin Park, Mudvayne, Hoobastank, Cypress Hill, and Edema. Um, and I remember I was a big fan of a B-side track that Linkin Park had out called My December. And I was singing it at the top of my lungs. And Chester looks down at me and kind of points while he sings the song. And it was just in that moment that I was like, this is something I want to be involved in. I have to get into it myself. I got to go to every show that comes near my town, et cetera, et cetera. Like I remember leaving and my ears had a little blood dripping out of them because I had never heard live music before. And I was just hooked from that moment on. Was it the imagery? Was it the music? What was it for you that drew you in? I think it was, I think it was everything like the last, the live sound, the fact that, that, you know, these bands that I used to watch Say What Karaoke on MTV to, and I'd see through my uh, TV screen were just there right in front of me, the camaraderie with the crowd, you know, when I finally started playing live shows, it was kind of like the hardcore bands would have people running around just throwing fists at each other, but my experience, I was crowd surfing, if I fell on the ground, people were picking me up, it was just like a family. And everybody was just in the moment and you were kind of just outside of yourself. It was a, you know, escape from any problems or issues that you might have going on in your life. They just didn't exist in that moment. And I was, I was hooked on it. Was it the moment or was this the moment that obviously you fell in love with rock music, but was it also the moment that you wanted to perform too as well? It was, yeah. That was the moment I was like, if I if I ever had the opportunity to do this myself, I'm I'm going for it. So where did it go from there? Once this concert happened, what was the next step? Was it writing music? Was it just playing music? Was it you know singing covers, playing covers? What was that like for you? So what happened next for me was. Uh, a local band in Arizona by the name of Greeley Estates showed up and played a little performance um, and invited me to one of their next shows because it, it wasn't a venue. I can't really remember what it was, but they're like, we have a live band here to play for us today. Um, and I started talking to the band after the show. And I, what I didn't realize since my first concert was Linkin Park, I thought if you were a band releasing music, you were playing arenas like Linkin Park just played, right? <laughs> And so they invited me to their show. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's local shows. I got really involved in going to local shows, went to every single Greeley Estates performance that they had coming up, discovered more local bands. Um, and I was at a guitar center one day and there was uh, those little papers that you can pull down and it was a website called azpunk.com. And I decided to check the site out and there was a bunch of local bands that were searching for vocalists. And I went and tried out for one of them. And that band turned into Bless the Fall, which was one of my first group. Uh, we ended up playing a bunch of local shows, getting a following, getting on a national tour with Escape the Fate. And, you know, the rest is history. Now I've been with Escape the Fate for the past 14 years. So you had no vocal training prior to you going and being in a band? Yeah, no, no vocal training whatsoever. And I... I remember joining the choir my junior year of high school because I had switched schools 
and I was I was a band geek, so I played the saxophone since like fifth grade. And when I moved high school, they had too many people playing the saxophone, so there was no room for me. So I got ousted. I'm like, well, I still want to be in music. I guess I'll join the choir. And so other than high school choir, no no training really. What was that like? What was that experience trying out for a band, never seen in front of people or in a band before, just kind of going for it? Oh, it was extremely nerve-wracking. I remember I was like, my palms were sweaty. I was really shaky, kind of lightheaded. Um, and I just, I just went for it. You know, I remember locking myself in my room and just screaming into my little boombox speakers. And I kind of just closed my eyes and did the same thing singing along to a couple bands that, that all of us kids liked back then. I think I tried out for the band singing along to a huge song. Um, and we hung out for a little bit afterwards. And as I was getting ready to leave, they said, well, you know, if you want to sing in our band, you can, man, just keep in touch with us. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm in your band now. That's incredible. I mean, no vocal training, not knowing, you know, what singing in tune is. And, you know, it's not like when you did this, there were things on the internet that you could go and learn like you can now. Like if you need to know something or try something, you can go on YouTube and you can type it in and it'll have like some tutorial of how to do it. I don't know if that exists. I don't think that existed back when you were doing that. No, but I think, I think playing, playing in concert band uh, gave me sort of an ear for what, what a key was and what, what note I should be hitting with my vocals and, and things of that sort, timing, all of that stuff. As you evolved into an artist and you started playing in bands and singing, the next step is writing music, writing lyrics to songs, connecting with moments in your life. Are you, do you write about experience or do you write about observations? So I mainly write, all of my songs just based on personal experience. And a lot of the time, a lot of the songs where I'm singing about you or her or anything like that, I'm just kind of lyrically changing that one word, but I'm just singing about myself or a personal situation. And I like doing that because the beautiful thing about it is I'm able to get it out of me, put it down on paper. And when people say that song really connects with them, it, it, it's something where it helps me not to feel alone in my own struggles and then they don't feel alone in their struggles and you're able to share that, you know, it's a good reminder that none of us are alone. You know, you're not the only one with issues in your life and music is a real good way to self-medicate that. Was there a song or lyric that connected with you where you wanted to try writing music? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say there was one song specifically that made me connect with music a lot. Um, it was just, it was honestly just music in general. I mean, I would just put on everything. I think the one song I can, that I have the earliest memory of really connecting with was a song by Del Shannon called Runaway. Like a fifties rock. Oh, yeah. I was really in a fifties rock when I was younger. Yeah. And uh, I used to I used to put that song on and, and jam to it all the time. I loved it. Um, other than that, probably Bob Seger, Turn the Page. Those are like the two I would always go back to. Still to this day, go back to sometimes. It's just amazing that, you know, when you're evolving as an artist and you pick up things, right, and you want to keep growing 
as you know, in, in your journey at becoming a better artist. And, you know, there are moments that you look back on that keep kept propelling you to the next level, to the next step. And I've always found it interesting to some, for someone who writes music and writes lyrics to, you know, have that connection to where you're hearing a song that you connect with written by somebody else. And now you're writing music that's connecting with your fans. Yeah. And that's why I love doing, you know, sort of co-write sessions. Cause it's very interesting. You know, once, once you're writing music with somebody in your band, like when my guitar player is sending me a song and the way I write, I always usually come up with a melody first. Then I'll find some lyrics to fit in there. Some people they'll come, they'll come up with all of the lyrics to something and then they'll think of the melody afterwards. And it's always fun to co-write with somebody cause you'll come in with something that you wrote to the music and you'll get to hear how they're perceiving the song and what they're hearing. And it's always awesome to vibe off of each other and, and see how their perception is with the song. And it's one of my favorite parts of being in the band, other than playing live shows and connecting with the fans. And it's being in the studio and actually coming up with the material. When you're writing music and you're, and you're writing about a personal experience and you have to connect with that, and there's that moment of vulnerability, right? Because you've got to, Put yourself back into a moment, back into a memory, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whatever the case is. How do you tap into that? Is it difficult for you to do it? Do you find it therapeutic when you're doing something like that? I find it I find it therapeutic for sure, but it is definitely difficult to get in that headspace sometimes to bring up those old wounds and bad memories. Um and on one occasion, I remember I really got personal with it instead of being vague lyrically. And I called the song Father Brother. <laughs> it was the title of the song. So obviously I'm talking about my own, my own issues. And it was surprising because although a lot of the fans really connected with it, said, oh man, you know, thank, thank you so much for writing that song. It was awesome to, to get a glimpse into your own struggles. You know, I, I heard from my father because of that song. Hey, what's, I didn't know you felt this way and why'd you write this? It kind of, to me was, it felt good and therapeutic to open up, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to write about anybody specifically and let them know that it's about them specifically because it might, it might open up a can of worms in the way that it did for me. When you're connecting with those moments and you have you have your own voice, right? We're talking now. You have a voice to talk, and then you have your voice that sings. Do you find it easier to sing about things than it is to talk about things? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Definitely easier to sing instead of talking about them. Still not easy to listen to. I'm one of those people who can't stand the sound of my own voice. I like hearing the singing part of it when we finish a song and I get to hear the finished product. I'm like, man, this is us. This is me. But you know, if I'm listening back to an interview, for instance, I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't listen to that. So definitely a lot easier to sing about things than to talk about them. And as you're writing music about experiences, you're basically cataloging memories and you're cataloging moments in your life. Do you ever find that maybe a song that you wrote before maybe had a, a meaning for you or a, a perspective that you had when you were writing it and then years later you revisit that song and for yourself, it means something different than what you originally intended it for. Oh yeah. And very good question, man. I mean, 
I'm so grateful that we've been able to be a band for as long as we have. And we went out and did a 10 year anniversary tour for our album. This war is ours. These are songs I wrote at, you know, 19, 20 years old. And I felt more connected to a lot of those songs performing them live than I did 10 years ago. Um, it was crazy. Me and my drummer were talking about it and we're like, wow, it was almost like we, we knew what kind of struggles we were going to go through before we went through them. And now these songs are speaking to us more than they were back then. So it's awesome. I always go back and revisit old stuff and it always surprises me that I'm the one that wrote it. Is it because you've had time away from the moment? Whereas, you know, as we get older in life, you know, we, we think differently about things that have happened in our lives, right? When you're close to it or things just happen, you have a different perspective, but when you're away from it and you're experiencing life for a while, you revisit that memory, you revisit that moment, and you have a completely different idea and a completely different perspective on it. Is that what you experienced? That's absolutely what I experienced. And it also helps me to write material today. You know, even on the new record, Chemical Warfare, uh, we had just done that 10-year tour and I was revisiting some of our old material. And some of them, I was surprised at how much it connected with me today. And some of them, I just felt like, how naive, how naive of me to, why was I writing about that? And then I'll sort of correct myself and you can hear the growth almost melodically and lyrically and and all those things. Is that important for you to, you know, I know, I know fans like to keep their favorite artists and bands in a box, right? They like to keep them in those four, you know, four, four squares and not have them venture out too much. And when they do, sometimes it's painful for the fans because they don't know what to think because the band's doing something different. However, the artist, as you know, needs to keep evolving, needs to keep changing because, you're an artist. That's what artists do. Is it, is it exciting to keep changing? And is it nerve wracking when your fans are coming with you on this journey, hoping that they accept it? Oh yeah, it's it's definitely exciting, but it's nerve wracking, you know, for the, for the fact that the fans might not like what we're doing, but at the same time, you never, nobody knows what the magic formula is that's going to make a successful song or, that's going to please your fans. You know, you're never going to be able to recreate exactly what you created that they are latching onto as the listener. So, you know, in my experience, I've, I've attempted to write a song almost exactly the same way as I wrote a song that somebody liked and they might not like it at all. Or sometimes you'll write something completely out of the box and different and they'll love it. So, you know, you just can't pigeonhole yourself. You just got to go in there and be creative and, and move forward and, you know, make sure you stay in the mindset that you were in when you were working on your first material as an artist, which is what, what do you like? What do you want this to sound on? You know, you start bringing too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, into your mind and into the writing process and it can really affect it in a negative way. The new album is Chemical Warfare. It comes out in April which is, gosh, right around the corner, man. This year's kind of moving fast, but everyone's excited yeah, for it. it. I'm excited for it. Your fans are. What was the recording process like during these times? I mean, obviously last year, you know, we were we were still dealing with the pandemic. What was the differences? How did you guys record this album? 
So the difference with uh, this one specifically was it was the quickest writing process I've ever had for an album. We came in, we had two weeks before we left for a tour, and we said, let's get this album done in two weeks. And so the process turned into, we'll show up in the morning, we'll write something completely new, we'll get it, we'll get it done by the end of the day to the point where then we can step away and, and really add the bells and whistles and everything else. But let's get the roots of the song done every day. So the first day was really exciting. Then you come in the next day and you're still kind of high off the song you wrote the following day and you get to come in with a fresh perspective and write something completely new. And it was like that for two weeks straight. And by the end of it, you have a full album's worth of material and now you get to the hard part where, okay, which ones are going to make the album? And that's always the most difficult part. Then you get the entire band involved. Somebody might have a song that's their favorite, that's your least favorite and, that's never the fun part because you, you want to just, if it was up to me, I'd release a 40 track record. You know what I mean? Let's release it all, put it all out there. But it was a very exciting, uh, very exciting writing process for this one. Well, as someone who's singing the songs, you've got to believe it, right? You've got to sell the song, you know? Oh, for sure. Was this recorded during the pandemic before the pandemic? When was the, the recording process? So we did the main uh, the main part of the album right before we left on the tour, which would have been in January. The tour lasted through February. I remember the last show on the tour was March 4th. And then uh, I went back in the studio just to finish up like any last minute things, maybe some vocal fixes. And so the record was done and ready to just be mixed um, in March. And that's when the world started shutting down. And let's all say quarantine for 14 days. That's all it's going to last is 14 days. And here we are a year later. So you've been basically sitting on this album for close to a year. Oh, yeah. What's that like? So I'm Knowing... ready to get it out there. Oh, I'm sure. But what, but what is that like, you know, recording something and being proud of the material, proud of the songs, really excited about, like you just mentioned, you know, coming in the next day, being on that high of recording what you just recorded, going to write something, you know, for the lyrics for the song, finishing the album, and then nothing. What's that What's that like for you? It's, it's difficult, man. You know, with the pandemic stuff, uh, me and my drummer, we really got involved in this platform called Twitch. And uh, we've been connecting with our fans that way and pretty much hanging out with them every day for the past year on that platform. And knowing that we have this new material and getting questions on the daily, when are you guys going to release new stuff? Got any new things coming out? When can we hear this? I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to give it to you right now. And you, you just can't, you know, I, the only times I feel that same way are with my kids. And it's Christmas, and I know they have the gift that they really, really want sitting right under the tree, and I want to give it to them so bad, but I can't. i got to wait for Christmas, and then the joy is there. Um, so, yeah, April 16th is my upcoming Christmas for the fans. I can't wait to get it out there. As far as you being creative and, and doing things during the pandemic, what's that been like? I mean, I know I've talked to a lot of artists on this podcast, and the majority of them were able to stay creative. They were still able to tap into the creative well. Some did have difficulty, and one of the reasons why they said was, I'm not living my life. I'm not doing what I normally do, having different experiences. So it's really hard for me to 
right about doing the same thing, looking out the same window every day. What was it like for you? For me, it was actually kind of a blessing. Um, I was able to get over a lot of my own personal uh, addiction problems because of the pandemic. And that enabled me to be more creative than I ever have been. You know, I have a, I have another project called dead rabbits and the main songwriter that I work with on that one lives just 10 minutes down the road. So I'm able to just drive down there and really put down some ideas and jump in the vocal booth and sing them and record them. And, you know, I mentioned the Twitch platform. I do some giveaways with the fans where they get to pick a song they want me to cover. And I'll just drive 10 minutes down the road and sing on it. And we release it to them for free on the platform. So I've, I've been able to be really active in uh, my creativity and, and releasing the material. It's been a good time. When you're writing music during this time, and you mentioned becoming sober, has the pandemic changed your perspective or changed like the mood in terms of writing music? It changed the mood for sure. And my hope is that it changes the mood for live music when live music comes back. And everybody I've talked to seems to be on the same page with that. I feel like we're all going to have um, a newfound gratefulness to live shows. You know, when it, when it was happening, it was like 10 bands are coming to your town in a week. Which show do you want to go to? And I know me personally and all the friends that I've talked to, if there's, if there's 10 shows coming to town that week, we're going to every single one of them, you know? So I'm excited for live shows to, to make a comeback and start happening again and, and, you know, get back to that escape that I was talking about earlier in the interview. Yeah. I was uh, thinking the other day with all these concerts that are going to be happening, I may have to take out a second mortgage to, uh, to go to all these <laughs> right. shows because everyone's going to be playing and it's going to be great because I love the live show going to live ven- venues but man it's going to be it's going to be tough when you know five bands are coming in one week and you're like I must go to all these shows but my wallet's telling me I can't you know oh man it's going to be really difficult like I, I'm not a promoter or anything but I just I've heard through the grapevine that venues will only be able to sell a certain percentage of tickets and if that's the case that means how is a promoter going to cover a guarantee and then is that going to affect the ticket price it's it's going to be interesting when it is finally even able to happen again how it is going to happen you know that's the thing too we talked about this on the podcast about two weeks ago about the invention of live streams and i know some artists are against it some artists don't want to do it however if it's done right and i think if it's done in a in, a, in the right way while the band's performing in front of people you're going to be able to reach an audience that maybe you couldn't, and especially when you might only have 25% capacity or 50% capacity. People that were unable to get tickets can go and pay to watch that show. Or even better, that if you're not touring a certain area across the pond, uh, you know, fans that are into you in Greece or Germany or the UK can buy the show and, and watch you guys. So I don't know how it's going to work because everything's new now, right? I mean, everything is... We're experiencing all these things, and no one really knows if it's going to work or not. But I do know promoters are pouring a lot of money into technology and a lot of money into live streams because it's kind of like a pay-per-view boxing match, right? I mean, only only certain people can go and watch the fight in person, but there's a whole giant audience that can watch from the comfort of their television. 
Yeah, I, I, I think the live stream thing, I know now it's just strictly the band performing, but I think the live stream thing is going to stay around for, for a little while, even when live shows start happening again, because like you said, you know, we're, we're a U.S. band. If live shows are able to happen nationally, it, it, they're not going to be able to happen internationally right from the get-go. So I'm sure a lot of artists that are doing the live stream thing right now are going to continue to do that even if they're playing a live show. You know, you might have a couple hundred people in the crowd and then have all the cameras and stuff set out, be able to stream that out to people in different areas that aren't able to be there. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's another revenue stream too to help the bands and to help grow their audience. Mm -hmm. As far as writing, getting back to the record, getting back to your creativity during this time and the music that you were doing and working on, the addictions that you had, as you mentioned, was was there a moment when, after you became sober, that you were writing music and getting into your your uh, you know your mindset to write music? Were you ever nervous that I haven't ever written a song sober before? What's this going to be like? Oh, definitely. I mean, anytime I. Anytime I had writer's block or I was revisiting a moment in my life that was a little difficult, I would, uh, you know, I would always just grab a bottle, you know what I mean? And so it's, although it's difficult to sit there with your thoughts in the, in situations like that, it is good to come into it clear headed, um, and healthy, you know, and, and I found myself able uh, to write a little bit easier, even though it might've seemed harder at first, it was, uh, I feel like the end result of the material is better. Um, and you know, that carries on to every other aspect of my life is better now, but I kind of threw that crutch to the side, you know, we talked about perspective during this conversation earlier in your writing process and get tapping into those moments that you lived through and some of the pain and struggles when you're doing that with a clear head and you're doing that sober and you're going into those times when you weren't sober, do you ever have that moment where, man, if I, if I was reliving this and going through this sober, I would have done this so much differently. I would have reacted so much differently. Absolutely. You know, and I feel like a lot of us do that when we think about the past, you know, what could I have done differently? Or I wish I did this in a different way. Why did I do that? I wish I didn't do that. But you know, that gives you, that gives you the ability to know how you're going to move forward. You know, there's nothing any of us can do to change the past, but we can change the now and, you know, learn how to deal with life on our own terms and take those mistakes as experience moving forward to never make those mistakes again. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with fellow artists who have had addiction problems you know, one of the, or two of the people that I think of at, at top of mind is Glenn Hughes, the bass player, former bass player for Deep Purple, who's now in the Dead Daisies, and also the drummer, Dean Castronova. And they've had public struggles with their addictions. And one of the common things that they talk about when I, when I spoke with them was about living in the moment, not getting too far ahead of where you're at in terms of your headspace, in terms of what you're doing, where your thoughts are. Is that common? Is that how you feel too? Yeah, that, that, that is how I feel. Um, you know, if you, if you start focusing on something too much, you're going to drive yourself crazy. 
Yeah, and it's also, you know, I know Dean mentioned too that he has bad days, right? He has days that are tougher than others, but, you know, he finds it that if he's living in the moment and he's living, if he's staying present, um, it's much, it's easier for him to get over, you know, those those difficult moments. Yeah, you know, that's what that's what we talk about in AA. It's, uh, you know, you just your blessings and you just got to get through the next 24 hours. Just focus on now. Get through the next 24 hours. And that's most difficult when you're first, uh, you know, in your first day, your first week of sobriety to really focus on, can I get through today? But once you do, you wake up so grateful that you're sober. You didn't make any mistakes the day before. You didn't. You didn't cave into your addiction the day before, and before you know it, two weeks have passed, a month has passed. You know, for me, in April, I'll be a year, you know, and so you just keep focusing on that, especially on the hard days. You know, just know that tomorrow is going to come, and you just have to get through today. What was the moment, you know, during this pandemic that you decided to, it's time to get clean? It was, you know, it was, it was something I had struggled with a lot for a very long time, but I always told myself I need to get this under control. But, you know, as an addict, we're, we always make excuses for that behavior. And for me, it was, oh, I'm on tour. I'm on a 12-hour flight. I'm going to drink my ass off. Or, oh, you know, people are offering me drinks at the bar at the venue. I just, I just, I'll stop drinking when I get home. And um, when I came home and I didn't have those, uh, those temptations around or those excuses to use. And I still found myself, you know, at nine, 10 AM in the morning, going to the grocery store to get myself a bottle and having arguments and thinking, I just went to sleep for an hour, but I forgot about the last 48 hours. I was like, this is, this is insane. I need to get this under control. And what, what a better time to get something under control like that than right now when I'm home and I don't have to be out there. Um, and so I did it, man. I just woke up one day and said that I'm, I'm done. I, I cannot do this anymore. I can't feel this way anymore. It's, it's time to get this under control. And it was really, really hard, but the best decision I've ever made. Have you thought about how you're going to insulate yourself and manage yourself during a tour? Cause I mean, you've, you've gotten sober, you've gotten, you know, be, you've been able to get clean, which is wonderful, and and and, and I applaud you for that. And then there's the tour, there's the touring aspect where you just mentioned you have a lot more things going on. Is it important for you to know what you know what the plan is for you when you start when bands start to go back on tour when you guys start to tour again? Absolutely. I was just having a conversation about this um, with a buddy, uh, Ronnie, who sings for the band Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Um, he's going on four years of his sobriety. And we both praised uh, Twitch, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the platform for giving us something to look forward to when we do get back on the road. You know, this is something we've been doing for the past year since we can't tour. And this is something we can continue to do when we do get back out on the road. You know, when we get to that venue, and usually for me and him, we would just find the nearest bar, just walk in circles for hours of the day, wondering what to do with ourselves until we had to step out on the stage. Now we have something to do. Now we have a way to connect with the fans and, and do something positive and healthy instead of, you know, giving into that addiction. I imagine also positivity is very important too. And being around positive people that are looking to keep you 
lifted, right? And keep you up in terms of not bringing you down. And that's also important too. I mean, to touch on my conversation with Dean, you know, he was the drummer for journey for a long time. He had a very difficult situation that he overcame. And he did mention that when he started to play again and started to be in bands, it was very important for him to know who he was playing with and who he was surrounding with, with managers, with tech people, all that stuff. Absolutely. You know, and you really find out who your, uh, who your true friends are, you know, who cares about you? Because once you start caring about yourself, when it comes to things like getting over an addiction, um, you'll find out who the enablers are. And, you know, it might seem hard to think somebody you care about shouldn't be in your life anymore, but that's just all part of growing. Well, you're seeing things clearly and you're seeing things for what they are. And, you know, you're taking care of yourself and you're bettering yourself. And we've all had experiences like this. I've gone through life too, where I've just grown tired of dealing with people that cause drama or negativity. And I just say, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm past all this. I need to get this out of my life. Mm -hmm. So the new album, chemical warfare, you mentioned the the creative process. It was much different. You sat on this for a while. Um, You had the new song come out that is invincible, which is part of the horror movie that you're a part of. What was that experience like? So, yeah, it's part of uh, The Retaliators, which is a horror movie coming out on Better Noise Films, which is a film company um, from the record label. And it was it was a lot of fun to step behind the camera and not just uh, not just be singing. You know, it was cool to dive into a role. And I had the opportunity to film a couple roles for the movie because of reshoots and the pandemic happened. You know, the movie started filming a very long time ago. Um up until just recently, just last month, I, I went to Vegas to reshoot a uh, scene. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, the music video was a lot of fun. We had Lindsay Sterling feature on the track, and she came out and showed up for the video shoot. It's, it's uh, something that I would really like to get involved in more in the future. What was that medium like? I mean, obviously, you've, you have a lot of imagery and a lot of storytelling in your videos, and now you're in front of the camera and you're acting. What was that like for you? It was fun. You know, it, it almost feels like in the band, I've, I kind of become a different person. You know, there's, there's the me that's Craig. And then there's the me that's the singer of Escape the Fate is kind of how it felt for a very long time. And this gave me the ability to become something else, which I had a, a lot of fun with. You know, I've, I've always liked playing make-believe and stuff ever since I grew up. So being able to kind of dive into something else and become this other character was what I found it to be very enjoyable. And as far as creating the music, you know, for this movie, was the song created as a result of it or was, or was this something that after you saw the script and after you saw the story and read the story, you put the music together? Yeah, so we we had the song actually before the movie and the script, and um, you know the label approached us and thought the song would be a perfect perfect fit for the film, and you know we agreed. What is next? I mean, is there a plan for you guys coming up in two thousand twenty one? I know there's starting to be festivals announced, and bands are starting to announce places where they're going to play, especially over the spring and summer. 
where it's more outdoor venues. What has been the process for you guys in terms of planning out the year ahead? So we had a couple festivals booked that we agreed to. And I mean, this is coming on six months ago now that we agreed to some of these and the date will move, the date will move again. And now they're just kind of delayed indefinitely. Um, So we're kind of just standing by to see when we're going to be able to go out there and do something. I imagine that unknown is, you know, you mentioned the Twitch thing and I find that great, but you know, having the unknown, you know, where you're just trying to figure out what you're going to be doing with this music because you're proud of it. You're releasing it next, you know, in April, it has to be, what is the unknown like for you? I mean, you know, for a band that's been touring and being part of that cycle for a long time, touring, making music, touring, making music, to all of a sudden stop, to have a lot of questions as you move forward. What is that like for you in, in, in terms of, man, I don't know when we're going to be on stage again. I don't know, um, you know, what we're, when we're going to reconnect with our fans in a live venue. Yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely bizarre. You know, it makes me, it makes me think, is anybody going to hear this record if we're not able to go out there and and perform it live? Um, but the other thing I got to remind myself is every, we're all in the same position right now. Everybody's sitting at home wanting new material. You know, I find myself scouring the internet for what, what new show is coming out on Netflix or Hulu or, or Disney plus or whatever have you that I can get into. Um, and as a music fan, I find myself doing the same thing with bands. Oh, what are they releasing? Do they have something new that they're dropping? Did they do a new live stream? Is there a new interview or something I can check out? So it almost in a way seems like people are hungrier for new material than they were when, you know, like we were saying earlier, going to 10 shows a week or trying to decide what of those 10 shows they were going to attend. You know, everybody's just kind of sitting at home waiting for that stuff. So I'm interested to see, um, what this record does releasing during all of this. I also think too, that with what's going on and you have a lot of young people, junior high, high school kids sitting at home, e-learning, being frustrated that they're not living their life. They're not having any fun. I always believe that rock music, hard rock, metal always thrives under those conditions when young people are have angst and they have anger. And I almost think, you know, something bad, something good always happens. I think young people are finding the release more in the music that you play and other bands too as well. And I think that's really important to get rock and roll to become relevant again. Do you see the same things? I, I definitely see the same thing. And, you know, being a father myself, you know, my oldest son, I can see him getting into a lot more music, especially during the pandemic. You know, when you're just sitting in your room after school all day, where you're not even interacting with people, you're just kind of on your computer. Um, You know, I find him putting on a lot of music and going on the internet and checking out a lot of new bands on YouTube. And it's pretty awesome because I know a lot of people were talking about, Oh, is rock music dead before all of this happened? Or, you know, no more guitars. And is it the death of the guitar? I think it's an article I read about. I'm like, man, I hope not. Um, and I think there's kind of a resurgence happening. And I don't know if it's the result of the pandemic or what it might be, but I'm happy about it. 
I think it's a lot to do with the pandemic in terms of just, you know, like I said, you're, you're, you're e-learning, you're not socializing like you normally would. And you also want something new. You want to, you want to try to find something new to keep your interest. And, you know, when you're hearing, you know, whether it's a hip hop music or whether it's pop music, you know, that stuff is so mainstream that you're hearing it over and over again that after a while and sitting at home and doing nothing, you kind of want something different to kind of shake things up a little bit to keep things interesting. And I think that's where a lot of young kids are at right now. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I, I hate to say that rock music is just angry, but I think a lot of us are feeling anxious and angry right now. And, and there's no better music to, to put on and, and feel those emotions and get an escape from those emotions than a, than a solid rock record. Yeah. I, I see your point. You know, I mean, maybe angry is the wrong word for rock music, but I think that it definitely, if you're having angst and you're, and you're having trouble figuring things out, rock and roll has always been there for generations for, for young kids to do that. You know, whether it's just the, the attitude, the imagery, the music, it always has had that middle finger. And I think that right now can really connect with young fans. I would 100% agree. Well, Craig, it's been a blast. It's been a pleasure doing this. I really appreciate your time and the interview. Um, thank you again very much for doing this. Of course, and thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, come back anytime. Looking forward to the new album. Hopefully, you know, big success. I think it's going to be a huge album for you guys. So good luck with that. Thank you, man. Hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, everybody, that's Craig Mabbitt from Escape the Fate. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.